Hey, welcome to Cross Point this morning. It's such a joy to, to worship on the first day of the week with the family of God, to be encouraged one with another on the journey as we uh, do this thing called life together. I'm so glad that you're here today, though, to celebrate Jesus Christ, to lift his name on high, to say we do have a Lord of Lords and King of Kings who resides at the right hand of God. He's done so much for us, and we have so much blessing found in him. Amen. We want to say welcome to our guests that are here today as well. Thanks for joining us and being a part of our service this morning. Our hope, of course, is if you're looking for a church home, man, we'd love for you to be a part of our family here at Cross Point to help us tell the story of hope that is Jesus Christ. Uh, it is um, an incredible story that brings great peace and blessing to all those who would make a decision to be a disciple, to say, you know what, God's enough for me, and Jesus Christ has done enough for me, and I want to be a part of that story and what he's doing in the world. God, use me in the way that you see fit. Use my gift set to tell your story. Uh, And so we do that here, uh, not only on Sunday, but every day of the week, and I hope that you'll join me uh, every single day, no matter where you find yourself, telling that story. This morning, we're going to be in John chapter 14 to start out, and I hope you've got your Bibles and will turn with me there. Uh, We are working through 1 John, uh, the letter that the Apostle John wrote to the churches in uh, Asia Minor, which is now the area of Turkey, Uh, and he's wanting to remind them about who Jesus Christ is. Uh, We started out some five weeks ago talking about uh, the idea that God's called us to live in the light. God's called us to stay on the path and to stay on the path together to imitate Jesus Christ in our life. And today we're going to finish up this series talking about the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. What John wants the church to know about the importance of understanding who the Holy Spirit is and what he can and will do for you in your life. The importance of that empowerment within you and what that can do to change your life, to turn it around and help you find your way into the light and to stay on the path. Now, I don't know about what your bucket list is, but one of mine has always been to preach in Rome. Today, I get to do that. It's, it's great. It's awesome. Uh, but uh, yeah, we got VBS tonight here, and I hope that you'll come back. Uh, bring your kids, your grandkids, neighborhood kids, uh, kids you're mentoring, whoever they may be. We want them here to be a part of this storytelling process. It's going to be a lot of fun over the next four nights uh, right here in this room and in other places around uh, our campus here. So I hope that you'll join us uh, beginning here uh, tonight. You know, it's uh, interesting how at times if we'll just take time to to uh, slow down and listen, you and I realize there are things in our life that we take for granted, don't we? Uh, There are moments uh, when I get to go home for lunch, uh, which are rare, but when I do, no one's at home maybe, and I don't have the TV on, I'm not looking at the phone, and all of a sudden I can hear the birds chirping outside the window. Now, it's not often that you have time to stop and hear simple things in life like that. But those are not the only things that we take for granted. Sometimes uh, we take for granted uh, just the grocery store. I mean, I don't grow my own food. I don't make the stuff that's in my house necessarily. Uh, And so we get a place like a Walmart or a grocery store where we get to run down and quickly pick something up that we're hoping uh, that they'll have in stock for us. We don't have to worry about that. Some things that we take for granted Our vehicles that get us from point A to point B. They are different looking for uh, some of us in this room. Some of us, uh, it's on their last leg. That car is on the last leg. For others, it's brand new, out of the package, so to speak. But however it looks, it gets us where we need to go. 
You think about uh, things like air conditioning in the summertime in your house, right? How many already have that on in your house? It's been pretty warm this past week. Uh, how about indoor plumbing? Yeah, you look at this picture, <laughs> and you're thankful for some indoor plumbing. Uh, the halls, uh, my, uh, my family is from Tennessee, and we've got plenty of these scattered all over Tennessee. And I'm sure early on in our country's history, they were scattered everywhere. But it's nice to have a, a place to go freshen up, take a shower, and do whatever business you need to do in there. But uh, we take that for granted at times. And, and I think as we dig into the text today we'll discover that maybe we've taken the Holy Spirit for granted in our spiritual life. Maybe we haven't given Him as much attention uh, as maybe we should have along the way. I mean, in your life, if, if the Holy Spirit was turned off, would you notice? A.W. Tozer, who is a great theologian and writer, he says... In our churches today, for many of our churches, if the Holy Spirit were to leave our church, 95% of what we do would continue, and no one would even notice. He goes on to say, though, in that first century church, the church that John is writing to this morning, that if the Holy Spirit were taken away, if it were absent from those congregations, 95% of what they did would not happen, and everyone would notice. And so today, I want us to really dig in and to think in your own life personally and as a church, how is the Holy Spirit treated in your life? How conscious are you that he is active and working? Would you notice if the Holy Spirit didn't show up? Now, I... Uh, grew up in a conservative home. Of course, you know my dad is a preacher, and uh, I didn't hear a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. Now, I heard a lot of teaching about Jesus. I heard a lot of teaching about what we should be doing. I heard a lot of teaching about what we should not be doing, especially what we should not be doing. (laughs) But I didn't hear a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. And what's interesting in our faith walk, our ability to say, yes, I want to be a part of Jesus Christ's story, I know that God's done enough for me. Our ability to look at Scripture and interpret the story of Jesus Christ through Scripture, my ability to make wise decisions in life, all of that would not be possible without the Holy Spirit. None of my walk, zero, would be possible without the Holy Spirit. And John is going to tell these churches that he is encouraging in the way. He wants to encourage them to realize where their power comes from. It's about that Holy Spirit that is living within you. It's about the empowerment of God in your life and how you can conquer all things, no matter what is happening in your life. God's given us that ability, but we are all given that gift of the Holy Spirit at our conversion moment, but I think many of us are vaguely aware of it and what that means to us in our faith walk. Let's take a look at John chapter 14, the Gospel of John. Not 1 John, but in the Gospel of John, the fourth book in our New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In chapter 14, John says in verse 18, again, Jesus is about to leave the earth. 
And he's setting up his disciples to understand what that means for them. My physical presence is going to go away. You guys, my disciples, are going to begin the church for me here on earth, my body on earth. You're going to be my hands and feet. And I want you to be aware that I'm going to be leaving and some things are going to change along the way for the better. And you need to know about how that is going to happen, what that means for you. And so Jesus says, as John records in verse 18, he says, No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. And then bump over to verse 26 and 7. Jesus says, when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is, the, is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Now, understand that Jesus in this moment, he understands, I'm I'm about to leave, my physical presence is going away, the disciples are anxious, they're worried, what does that mean for me in my life? Well, what do I need to know in that? Because we've been with you, your whole ministry career, the last three, three and a half years of your time here on earth, we've seen what you've been able to do, but if you're leaving, now what? I, I mean, imagine... John is writing down, and the other disciples have had front row seats to who Jesus is, what he's capable of doing. They have seen him take a blind man. He's put his hands on this blind man, blind from birth. And immediately, the man receives sight. Now, this is the type of sight that is perfected. In other words, he may be old in age, but his eyes are 20-20. He's seeing full color now. He, he's got everything in front of him like never before. They've seen him lay hands on the lame, those that could not walk, maybe bedridden their entire life. And in one second, Jesus reaches down and touches them and grabs them. They stand up on their feet. They're not only standing on their feet, but now they're running and jumping and kicking their heels up, which they've never been able to do before. It's not just the ability to hobble around. Now they're fully restored in their ability to walk or he's touched the cripple. Men and women who did not have the use of their hands or their arms, could not even hold a spoon to feed themselves, who are now able to grab a a 50-pound pack and throw it across their shoulder. They've even been present. They've been right there. When someone has passed and Jesus has spoken life back into their body, to see them up, speaking, moving, eating again. You see, the disciples have have been around this for three, three and a half years. They have seen what Jesus is capable of doing. But now, Jesus, you're telling us you're going to leave. What does that mean for me? How are we going to survive? How are we going to get through what lies in front of us. You see, we, we know about God the Father. We've heard a lot about him. We know about God the Son. We've heard a lot about Jesus. But I think sometimes we think the Holy Spirit is on the JV team when it comes to the Trinity. <laughs> He's not there up front. And it happens in conversations that I have 
from time to time with folks about the Holy Spirit. And the question generally is, well, Tim, what do you think it is? And that gives a little insight into where our thinking is concerning the Spirit, because it should not be what is the Holy Spirit, but who is the Holy Spirit? How does He affect my life? And there is verb after verb in the New Testament that describes what the Holy Spirit is able to do, who He is in relation to those who would follow Jesus Christ. It says that that Holy Spirit, He he speaks, He acts, He forbids, He teaches, He walks with, He leads, He calls, He knows. We're asked not to grieve Him. It's It's not what, but it's who is the Holy Spirit. The God in the flesh was Jesus. God in spirit is the Holy Spirit. Look back at John chapter 14 that we just finished reading in verse 16. Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Now, this is interesting because Jesus is telling his disciples that God is going to give them another advocate. Jesus has been their advocate on earth, but now God is going to send, God the Father, another advocate. And sometimes it's really difficult to get our head wrapped around this idea of Trinity. How can God be all three of those different things? Well, here in verse 16, that English word, another, There's actually two Greek words that that could be translated into. One particular Greek word means something that is similar to that kind. The second Greek word is exactly like that kind. And what Jesus says here, the word that he uses in verse 16 is, God will send one exactly like me. Not similar to me but exactly like me. I will ask the Father, and he will send me back to you. You see, over and over in text, what we find out, what Jesus says over and over, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And here he says, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're receiving me. All three are the same. Don't be afraid that my physical self is going to go away. Because I'm going to live in you. I'm coming back in a different way. The the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit. Two chapters over in verse 7 of chapter 16. Jesus says something that's always been very interesting to me. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Verse 7, Jesus says, he's talking to his disciples again, it is best for you that I go away. Really? Okay, now now we've seen you feed the 5,000. We've seen you lay your hands on and heal other people. We have seen the teaching where you have put the Pharisees and the teachers of the law to shame. We have seen your prayer life. We've seen how you loved on us and cared for us. Jesus, how is it better that you go away? He goes on to say, because if I don't, 
the advocate or the Holy Spirit won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. So Jesus says, it's going to be better if my physical self goes away because the spiritual representation will be on its way. Here's the profound statement that Jesus Christ is saying to you and to me today. God with you is awesome, but God in you is even better. I mean, Jesus right beside you is an incredible feat, but him living in you is even better. It's an incredible feeling, church, to know that we've got God living in us, his Holy Spirit in us. It's a part of who we are in our very being. And see, John is repeating what he has had front row seats to hear and observe his entire discipled life. He's in the room with Jesus when Jesus is reminding them of how he's going to return. And it's important, John says, for his children to know and understand about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to have God living in you? What does that mean for me in my Christian walk each and every day? There are some texts out of 1 John that we're going to roll through quickly on the slides that you'll see in front of you. But John wants to remind the church who this is that's going to be living in them. And John says, you are not like the world, for the Holy One has given you his spirit, and all of you know the truth. You have received the Holy Spirit, and he lives within you, so you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know, and what he teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him, and he with them. And we know that he lives in us because the Spirit he gave us lives in us. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won the victory over those people. Because the Spirit who lives in you is greater than the Spirit who lives in the world. And God has given his Spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. John the Apostle wants that first century church and us today to realize and know that the Holy Spirit lives within us. The refrain throughout his letter over and over again is, listen, the Spirit lives in you. God lives in you. Don't ever forget that you have been given a gift The moment you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, you see, every follower of Christ, every Christian has the Holy Spirit living within them. The first recorded sermon that we have uh, on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, Peter and the disciples are on the, the Temple Mount and they are speaking in different languages because they have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit and Peter steps up to preach his awesome sermon. And it says that after the sermon, many people were touched in their heart, they were, they were moved to say, you know what, yes, we have sinned and we need a relationship with God. Jesus Christ is the Messiah who can provide that relationship. They believe that Jesus is indeed the Son of God. And Peter goes on to say in verse 38, 
Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and I have been promised that God will live within us when we make a decision to follow him. Can you imagine the power of the Holy Spirit living within you and you not opening that gift? You not realizing that you have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your own life to overcome all things that are thrown your way. So the question rhetorically this morning for you is, are you being filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you being filled with His power? Now, some folks may call it power. and Maybe you call it direction. Maybe he's guiding you in a certain direction in life, the the type of person that you're called to be. Maybe some people call it power, but, but maybe you call it comfort because right now you feel alone. Maybe you've recently experienced a spousal loss or maybe your kids have grown up and moved away and you're experiencing that loneliness and you need strength beyond your own and so you lean into God and his Holy Spirit to provide that strength and comfort for you. Maybe you call it power but maybe you call it strength and you've been struggling with the same sin for months and years and you wonder how much longer you feel defeated but you know that the strength of God that lives within you will help you overcome will help you find your way back to the light and to stay on the path. We are called by John in his letter today to live in the light. Not in the proximity of the light, but to live in the light. To live in the power of the Holy Spirit, of who God can be and will be in your life if you open the gift if you latch on to everything that God's called you to be in his son, Jesus Christ. There's a story out of West Texas uh, about 1926, 1927, a guy by the name of Ira Yates. Maybe you know this story if you've lived in Texas uh, most of your life. Uh, But he bought about uh, 26,000 acres of land and he began uh, farming and, and raising livestock and he was trying to make ends meet. Things weren't going really well for him and he was trying to make the bank note to pay the bills and a petroleum company came Uh, around his house and asked if they could partner with him and just do some experiments on his 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 yard in his in his uh, acreage to to see what they could discover and see what they could find and Ira got a little bit of money from that moment but went into partnership with them Uh, he thought what can it hurt and so they began drilling and before you know it just below the surface 1926 the first moment 9,000 barrels of oil a day And they think today they might be halfway through. You see, Ira was a multimillionaire, didn't know it. He was trying to make ends meet, but he hadn't tapped into the source of where he could go, who he could be. Right underneath him was everything that he needed for comfort, for strength in life, other than, of course, God alone. But many times in our own spiritual life, we find ourselves in the same, uh, same moment. We're, we're struggling, 
We, we find ourselves dragging through life when in fact, if we would simply tap into the power that's within you as a follower of Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, you could overcome. You could find what you need in life to get everything that you need to empower you to move through and have the strength to discover how you could be everything that God's called you to be. We simply need to unwrap his gift. But there are some of us who we struggle. We don't tap into the Holy Spirit. We don't unwrap that gift. We're part of the kingdom. We come to church and we celebrate, but we've not yet figured out who the Holy Spirit can be for us in our life. And if we haven't gotten there, we can be susceptible to two or three things in our walk. One is self-righteousness. You and I can have that clipboard where we begin to check off the rules that we are following and then compare them with other people that are around us. I'm doing a little bit more than you. I've been in a few more mission trips than you. I get here a little earlier than you. You know, the list goes on and on. If we're not careful, we can lose that humble aspect of Jesus' own walk and become self-righteous. Or maybe on the other end of the spectrum, we can be part of a guilt-ridden religion where I just never measure up. I'm always sad and depressed because I'm just never going to be who I think I'm being called to be. Or maybe like John is addressing in his letter, we can be a, a part of false teaching where we're not really able to interpret what God is actually telling us through his word because we're not tapped in to the power of the Holy Spirit. There are some things that can help on the journey, though. Paul, who is an absolute believer in the power of the Holy Spirit, he's writing some of the same churches through the book of Galatians. In chapter 5 and verse 25, Paul says, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. Now, if you've got your own Bible with you, you need to circle that, underline it, make some headway there to draw attention to that. In every part of our life, we need to be using and plugging into the power of the Holy Spirit, not just on Sunday morning during worship, not when we're out on a mission trip, not when we're just reading our Bible, but in everyday life as well as we interact with our family members and our friends, as we're at the workplace, as we're driving down the road, as we're at the supermarket. In every way of our life, we need to be plugging into the Holy Spirit. We need to be grasping all the blessing that God has for us in our life. And there's a couple of things that help us achieve that along the way. You see, being filled with the Spirit is a continual prayer each and every day that you get up. God, fill me with your Spirit. God, make me aware of your Spirit. God, lead me in the direction that your Spirit has called me to go. God, let me be your eyes and ears, your mouth, your hands and feet. Give me your heart. God, make me the person you've called me to be. It's a daily prayer that you and I need to call attention to each and every day. God, make me aware of your Holy Spirit in my life. And also, being filled with the Spirit means being emptied of me. It's not about me. 
It's not about you. It's about raising up the story of Jesus Christ for the world to see. It's not about my agenda. It's not about my piece of paper with my list on it. No, it's about praising God in every aspect of our life and using the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish things that you and I could not do on our own. It's saying, I want to be a part, God, of what you want to do in my life. You see, being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that the believer gets more of the Holy Spirit. No, what it means is that the Holy Spirit gets more of the believer. We are called to be filled by John with the Holy Spirit. We're called to follow him. Stay in the light, stay on the path. I want to finish our time this morning with this one verse. An incredibly powerful verse. If you have your own Bibles, I hope that you'll mark it. Draw attention to it. John says, as a reminder in verse 4, 1 John 4, You belong to God, dear children. You have already won a victory over the world. Because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in this world. Amen? I mean, the spirit that lives in you and you and you and you is greater than the spirit that lives in this world. He cannot touch you because we are disciples of the Most High God. And the Holy Spirit lives within you. And the thing that you are struggling with in life right now, turn it over to the power of the Holy Spirit because he will turn your life around. He will make you different than you've ever been before. You will have the peace and the heart that's been promised to us by God. And Jesus said, I have to leave you, but because I'm leaving you, I'm going to send another advocate, one exactly like me. And I'm not going to be right by your side. I'm going to be inside. Wow. Church, you and I have power that we have not even tapped into yet. And whatever you're dealing with in life, my hope is that you will pray that prayer. God, fill me with your spirit. Make me everything you've created me to be. Help me say no to me and more yes to you. God, give me the power. Give me the wisdom to walk in the light. Give me the wisdom to stay on the path. Help me not to do that alone, but to do that with other people. Help my life be an imitation of how Jesus Christ lived his life in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite Brad and the praise team back to the stage at this time. Our shepherds and their wives will be along the wall of this room. My guess is in an audience this size this morning, there are some of us in this room who have some things that we're struggling with, some things that we're trying to move past. And maybe there's speed bumps for you in life. And I want to encourage you to go pray with one of our shepherds. Let them lay hands on you, speak with you, pray over you and for you. That the Holy Spirit would reveal to you in your life exactly what you need to do to move past that speed bump and to embrace everything that Jesus Christ has done for you. Let's stand and sing.